This is Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. The following letter appears in Simon Seberg Montefiore's recently published book, Written in History, Letters That Changed the World. It is by the late great songwriter, musician and poet, Leonard Cohen, to his former lover, Marianne. Dearest Marianne, I'm just a little behind you, close enough to take your hand. This old body has given up as yours has too, and the eviction notice is on its way any day now. I've never forgotten your love and your beauty, but you know that. I don't have to say more. Safe travels, old friend. See you down the road. Endless love and gratitude. Leonard. My colleague David Sachs introduced the author at last night's book launch, which was hosted by book dealers. He joins me now to tell me some of the highlights of the interesting new book. David, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. Mm, sure. David, I just bumped into Simon Montefiore um, on the way in the studio, mm. and it's absolutely such a fascinating book. What? Um, just to explain a little bit who Mr. Simon Seberg Montefiore is. Well, he's, uh, as the name indicates, he's a, a scion of a, almost of a very distinguished uh, British Jewish, English Jewish family um, who were. Um, you know, philanthropists and really builders of the, of the the state of Israel, even before the Zionist movement was was underway. Um, and uh, Simon, he likes to be called Seabag, by the way. Okay. It's from his uh, his mother's side. By the way, he's, he's, uh, he's, he calls himself a Jewish mongrel because his mother's Lithuanian, and on the, his father's side, he's Sephardi, obviously Montefiore, and uh, Moroccan. That's where the Seabag comes from. That's just by the way. Um, and he's a, a really a very eminent um, author, novelist, and historian whose works he's written a lot on, mainly on Russian history. Uh, he's sp- um, fascinating to listen to him talk about going to the Russian archives and researching Catherine the Great and Stalin. Um, he's also, as I said, a novel. He's a novelist and a screenwriter, so a very, a very eminent uh, and accomplished man. It was quite a quite an, honor, quite an honor, quite intimidating actually to to have to sort of. Introduce him. How, how was the event last night? It was well, well attended. Um, um, and I found that the audience was completely engaged because, you know, he, he, he spoke about why he did, did the book and the importance of letters, the letter writing, the art of letter writing, which is very much almost dead now, what with the, the email and tweets and the, the whole mode of communication. Um, but he, he points out it's, it's a letter, it's a moment in history. It, it's immediate. It's a, uh, it's not in retrospect. It's uh, how people, historical figures were feeling at the time. Um, so they're, they're a wonderful source of insight. For a historian, I mean, he said his books on Catherine the Great and, and the young Stalin were very much based on original correspondence. Uh, and, and actually reading the, the these, uh, some of the letters, Really enthralled the audience. It just makes very effective. Um, David, he, the letters range from Ramses II to Donald Trump. It includes letters by Henry VIII to Anne Boylan in 1528, Napoleon Bonaparte to Josephine, Svetlana Stalina to her father, Stalin, Churchill to Roosevelt, Michelangelo to Giovanni de Pastore. It's quite a full range from kings, queens, uh, lovers. What, what do you? What is your take on the, the authors, the the letter writers? Uh, well, these were all historical figures. Uh, some of them were obviously giants. Um, uh, you know, Napoleon and uh, 
Lenin, quite a frightening letter by Lenin, by the way, which he, which he read out last night. It gives, it gives you the real Lenin. Uh, this was not a grandfatherly uh, Lee, um, elder statesman of the Russian Revolution. I mean, he was a appalling, uh, a frighteningly uh, ruthless man. It, it's, it's a directive to basically go out and massacre. And he says, do this and report back to me when you've done it. Whereas uh, Stalin, who was worse even than Lenin, uh, nevertheless, he had a human side. Um, and two of the letters that are selected here, there's one is a love letter, and uh, Simon uh, C. Belmont, he likes love letters, and he read a few of them. Uh, um, another one but is from his daughter, uh, Svetlana, who as a young girl, she used to, um, used to play that she was a dictator of the world, and, and she would make all these laws that she would then get her father, uh, insist that her father would pass into law. She would write these directives that all homework be abolished for children. For How old was she at the time of the letter? Between you know? seven and eleven. That oh, she, so had. She, girl, she would play really? this game. A little girl, yes, and she would send all three. And Stalin used to you know, <laughs> enjoy playing the game with her. He would give it an official stamp and go to all members of the Politburo and get them to sign these directives from his daughter. So, uh, uh, yes, and I, and I, I think I, in my comments I, I pointed out, you know, isn't it a little chilling almost to think of two radically different human beings existing in the same body and he he, he dealt with that and and uh, said that the point is the are these are human beings um, that we, we're dealing about they're not legendary figures uh, and this coexistence of uh, good and bad is um, in relative you know, well, it's part of the historian's job to uh, to analyze I suppose that a letter between two people um, is meant only for those two people. You know, it's, yes. uh, it's private, and as you say, it's something that happens at that time. Yeah, yeah. Well, that—that's the great advantage from a historian's point of view is that when people are writing just to each other, with no uh, idea really that uh, posterity <laughs> would ever look at those words, then they then they are honest, and uh, it's it's um, they they're saying what they think and what they feel, and uh, it's. That much more, I think, reliable. Uh, a number of the letters here are the official letters that were, have gone into the record and were written for the record, but many of them were indeed private. I mean, the, the letter from Mozart to his cousin, um, and he's not going on about his magnificent art, uh, but he's, he's making all kinds of scatological references to parts of the body and, uh, and bodily functions and, uh, and other, other things which he was known for. Um, anyone who's seen the film Amadeus will, 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 know, uh, will know about that. Uh, and the letter from Michelangelo, and, and he read that one out. He read them both, uh, the Mozart and the Michelangelo. And Michelangelo is moaning and groaning about his aching joints and how hard it is to paint the Sistine Chapel, and he concludes, I'm not a painter, which, uh, I mean, the audience just drew a breath at that, you know. What, well, the, uh, what a phenomenal human being. But, of course, it must be very painful um, for him, and you've got some insights in what, into what it was like to create one of the great, probably the, maybe the greatest artistic masterwork in his in the history of the human race. In terms of making them a human, um, David, the one I read was um, from Marie Antoinette's mother mm-hmm. to Marie Antoinette. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, she didn't live to see what happened to her daughter. But mm-hmm. she's giving her quite a scolding down and saying, you know, you better start behaving more appropriately <laughs> for someone in your position. Otherwise, you know, who knows what the consequences are. Oh, so you, you kind of wonder if uh, how to heart her daughter might have taken that letter. Oh, well, you know, the, you know there, there's a lot of, 
unintended irony in a lot of these letters because we know, and with hindsight, we know what happened later to some of these people. Um, all right, so we, we see T.S. Eliot writing a very scornful letter to a scornful rejection letter to George Orwell saying that his, his new novel, Animal Farm, will not sell and that they don't want to publish it. So we can laugh at that. Because, <laughs> yeah, we can uh, laugh at that, uh, yes. You know, when it became an instant classic. Uh, but there's other irony, um, the Tsarina Alexandra writing to Nicholas II during World War I, and a very affectionate, I mean, they, they were a very loving couple. And as we know, they were all, you know, destined to be massacred along with their family when the Russian, when the revolution broke out. So that is a, a irony of a less pleasant sort. Um, we have to look at the Balfour Declaration and the correspondence around that. Can you share some light? Do we get new insights no. into the Balfour Declaration from that correspondence? Uh, no, it's, it's, it's just, um, it just makes the point that it, it was originally sent, you know, dispatched as a letter to, um, Lord Rothschild, um, by the colonial, colonial secretary at the time, which was uh, Arthur Balfour. It was subsequently published, but it began as a letter. Um, but that, I mean, look, that, that is an example of a letter that really did change the world. Um, in, in my remarks, I said, you know, that the title is actually not correct. It's, 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 it says letters that changed the world, it changed history. But, you know, from the Balfour Declaration, a few others, most of these letters weren't game changers, really. I mean, they were reflective of how people people thought at the time and into their personalities, but they, they didn't really change history. Uh, and he uh, disagreed, and he said, you know, with me. I, I didn't say why, but he, <laughs> he said, no, they, every letter changed history in, in its own way. I mean, uh, just... Yeah, anyway, I'm not, uh, yeah, well, I mean, uh, I wasn't going to argue with, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so we differed on that, but, uh, yeah, look, the Balfour Declaration, uh, Declaration was a game changer, and Mao Zedong's launching of the Cultural Re- Revolution by one, by a letter, I mean, that these are, you know, decisive documents. Do you think, I mean, again, going from Ramsey's the second, right yeah. through to Donald Trump, I mean, we've got a whole host of, um, I don't know, different characters, different kinds of characters. What, do you have any comment with regard to those who are included and those who have been left out? Well, I, I'm just amazed. What is amazing is about how many people are concluded. I mean, inevitably there will be a, um, glaring omissions, but it, it, it does cover a, a really broad range of human history and not just European history, but the African human rights, uh, uh, liberation, uh, the anti-slavery struggle and civil rights and the anti-apartheid struggle. Uh, women's rights, you know, the fighting for the, the, the fight for the woman, the votes for women issue, um, Chinese writers, and obviously Russian and so on. It, it's, it's covers of, as I say, a very broad range, uh, going all the way back to Ramses II, um, refusing to send, uh, the soothsayers to, uh, the Hittite king, uh, to help get his 60 year old sister pregnant, who says, don't bother, you know. <laughs> so I think he, he knew, at, at any rate, knew that uh, their gods were ineffectual. And just shows you also, David, how, as, as much as things change, how much things actually stay the same. It doesn't matter how far back we go, the issues facing people are the same issues facing people. Uh, yes, yes. And, and uh, people are no wiser now <laughs> or, uh, they, uh, than they were uh, 4,000 years ago. Um, they're just as superstitious and greedy, and <laughs> they've got all the same weak- human weaknesses that we see today. Yes. Um, in terms of uh, people no longer writing letters, do you think oh. think th- stuff like this will be lost in the future, and and or not really? Well, he makes an, uh, quite an interesting point at the beginning in his preface that. Uh, because of emails being hacked left and right, and you, I mean, no, ma- no matter how much you encrypt it, you know, they, it's, it's, 
it's, it's actually led to uh, people, uh, politicians and people who want to be privates. So they've gone back to writing with pen and paper because they just can't trust the, the electronic communications anymore. But whether that will save the art of letter writing is he doesn't – probably not. But uh, to some extent, it's uh, – the, the old style is, is, is continuing. Uh, I will, if I'd had time, uh, I would have raised the great – I mean, for historians, a great problem that uh, with the email age, these communications are not being archived. For, they, 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 they just temporary. they get deleted. I mean, who, who is saving this correspondence? It's not happening. It's certainly not happening in our organization. I know. I was just going to say, we've got the, at the SAJVD, we've got our archive section. And you mm. kind of go back and you can see the minutes that have been printed. Well, we still do minutes. But, no. you know, all that kind of official correspondence that isn't yeah, taking yeah. place anymore. No, no. You know, it's um, somewhere it's on our computers, but that's not mm. good enough. And uh, mm. how do you actually save it, especially as, I mean, computers become obsolete, uh, files get corrupted. It's It's something that, we all have to uh, look into it and, and, and try and deal with it. And you know what's particularly scary, although we are going a little bit off topic, mm. David, is that um, we have so much fake news. We have mm-hmm. newspapers that some of them have such a strong identity with certain politicians or political factions that the news that we're getting may not be necessarily the correct news or the slant of it is so biased Yeah. that how do people coming later actually make sense of the world that we're living in. Yeah, yeah look, I, I feel that one of the great challenges facing the whole of humanity is really just information management, some kind of system to uh, just regularize this, this vast outpouring of information and, and try to distinguish the, the wood from the chaff and, you know, to, to try and uh, uh, at least weed out, not maybe not weed out, but um, identify um, information that is more or less reliable uh, as opposed to everything else. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a colossal challenge. It's, I certainly don't know what the answer is, but it, it, it will have to be done. We should pro- yeah, you know, um, my guest, I think it was two weeks ago, was talking about entrepreneurship, and she said the, the job of an entrepreneur is to find a problem and solve it. So maybe there's an entrepreneur that's listening now, potential entrepreneur who can kind of think up a solution to that very real problem. Yeah, yeah, Steve Jobs or, uh, or um, who's the other guy, the Facebook guy? Although he's, <laughs> he's, caused, he's caused a lot of the, the problem by, yeah. um, by making the, you know, the explosion of information out there is, is due to, to him. David, yeah. just back to the book. Um, what um, Seberg has done is he's categorized the letters in various themes. And it includes love. As you said, he seems to enjoy the love letters. Mm. They're quite enjoyable, though. Well, I don't think so. <laughs> and I find them boring. I mean, you know, oh, I want to cover you with kisses. I mean, really. Um, family. Yeah, yeah. Creation. Courage. Discovery. Tourism. War. Blood. Destruction. Disaster. Friendship. Folly. Decency. Liberation. Fate. Power. That's where Stalin sits. Downfall and goodbye, where Leonard Cohen sits. Yeah. Um, do you have, we know that you don't like love now. Do you have a favorite um, section in this book? Um, well, I, I think the more sinister letters, uh, I think destruction they talk about, spoke about. Um, they, they were quite, quite powerful letters, um, quite affecting. But uh, no, I don't have a, a favorite. I have favorite letters. Um, there's an amazing letter by uh, Tito, uh, Tito of, of um, Yugoslavia, 
who was a communist leader in Yugoslavia, and he refused to tow Stalin's lead. Um, you know, Yugoslavia was kind of in the, the Soviet bloc, but it was independent. He wouldn't toe the line, basically. And so Stalin's, being Stalin, started sending assassins to take him out. And they caught about five of them, eventually wrote to Stalin, and Stalin kept this letter wow. in his uh, in his own private safe. And he, well, basically what he says, uh, we've, look, stop sending people to kill me. I've already, we've already caught five of them. And any more, uh, you know, we, I will send somebody to Moscow, and I won't have to send more than once. And wow. that was it. No more assassins were sent uh, <laughs> to take out Tito. Remarkable letter. You know, um, I have your copy of the book here, and when I came up into the studio, I bumped into um, Mr. Montefiore, and he offered to sign it, which was a great pity because it's already signed in your name, and this yeah. is not my book. But I'm sorry I didn't have a book with me to sign. Mm. Because you know what's nice about this book, David, is mm. it's a, not only is it a great reference book, mm. but there are some quotes in here <laughs> yeah. that you can use, um, obviously acknowledging them. But it's, it's just such an amazing book with such great insights into so many different parts of history that mm. it's a great reference book. Yeah, and you can dip into it. I mean, you can open it in any place yes, and find something true. of interest. And, and the, thankfully, most difficult. of the letters are short. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some he had to cut down enormously. Uh, he spoke about the famous letter Jacques. Jacques by... Um, Emil Zola denouncing the anti-Semitism of around the Dreyfus trial, so a very famous letter, but it was 10,000 words long. <laughs> so He said he cut it down, but I don't know how you can cut down a letter that long. Anyway, he did. It's in there. And you had a good suggestion for him um, yesterday oh, evening, David. God, uh, well, you know, I felt uh, I was rather clever. I thought, <laughs> as a follow-up to this book, why not consider doing great speeches that changed history? And I, that was going to be my closing remark. And then here's he was saying, oh, well, by, he was talking about, I'm, I'm working on a, on a sequel to this book. Uh, it's going to be about great speeches that changed history. <laughs> So, so we look forward to that book, Dave. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, oh, and he said uh, when that when it comes out, he'll, he'll be happy for me to come and introduce again. Again, any yeah. other great ideas, David, for the third book? The, uh, no, no, no. The trilogy time, uh, in the series of great. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm a little bit out of my depth, there, but I'll, <laughs> I'll be. I'll, I'll have great pleasure in if that day should come in, in uh, introducing him again. And David, thank you so much for joining me and talking about this absolutely fascinating book. The book is written in history, letters that change the world, and the ge- and the author Simon Seabag Montefiore was um, just now a guest on Stephen Kravitz's show. Yeah, and you can get them through Jonathan Ball, by the way. They uh, they will be on sale, uh, but they. I'm sure it'll uh, be absolutely every bookshop. Yeah, I'm sure. But you haven't missed my chance to get mine signed, David. Thank you so much for joining me. Okay.